Welcome to Sons of a Gun, a podcast about the DC Universe. I'm Alex Gunn. I'm Justin Gunn. And having fun. Having fun, being gun. We got a celebrity dad we can't talk about, but if you got tips or stories you want us to cover, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Let's jump into it. The big conversation over the past couple of weeks in the DC universe has been casting for Superman legacy. Discussions have been happening. There's been a lot of contradictory info, but I'm going to lay out as much as I can up front yes. here. So first and foremost, there's been a lot of discussion about whether it's actually been casting people reading for stuff or it's just discussions they're having in the room or oftentimes they'll create a list of names, and that's what gets circulated, then it gets turned into, oh, these people auditioned for this thing, but it's literally just somebody in the casting part was like, yeah, here's a list of names of hot actresses that maybe you could talk to, and that's pretty much yeah. it. So who knows what stage these folks are at, but here's what we got. We've heard Nicholas Holt. In some, mm. some people have said he's up for super bad, which sounds insane to me. That doesn't feel right. On the other hand, The Hollywood Reporter has been doubling down a lot about him being the only choice that they've talked about at this point for Lex Luthor, which tracks a lot harder for me. I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah, that, it does. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, we've heard only a couple of names for Superman at this point. Jacob Alordi from Euphoria, who a lot of mm. people floated as a name, apparently never submitted himself for it and isn't interested in doing it. But the one name that we've heard over and over, and I never know how to pronounce his name, but David Cornsweat, I believe, mm. um, who looks nice like name. Superman. So and yeah. is in the right age range. So that seems like probably the guy they're going to go for. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's a lot of pictures of his head on a Superman body, so. Oh, that that, (laughs) that nails it. I love those stories. This is, I'm definitely being very derisive about a lot of places on the internet, but they're like, wow, incredible fan art shows what this was like. And I'm like, what is this story? What are you doing? Just repost it on your Twitter and give the artist credit and let's move on. This is not an article. (laughs) Wow. Specific complaint. It is a very specific complaint. Oh, the other one that I'll mention, and this is more on the rumory side because it hasn't been confirmed about any of the trades, but, uh, James Gunn said that he talked to somebody from Guardians of the Galaxy for a Superman role. Several rumor folks have said that that was Bradley Cooper, who he talked to about Lex Luthor, and Bradley Mm. Cooper said he doesn't want to do it. So there you go. That's an interesting choice. An older Lex for a younger Superman. Mm -hmm. It could work. Shame. Yeah, potentially. But the big one, the rumors that are flying wildly all over the place for are Lois Lane. And these choices, if you know these actresses, make no sense together. Like, I, we've talked a lot about, okay, what do we know from the casting and what they're looking for about Superman Legacy? From hearing who they have lined up potentially to talk to for Lois Lane, I have no idea what they're going for. So we've got Emma Mackey from Sex Education and the upcoming Barbie, yeah. who's great. Phoebe Diem- Denever, I, I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce her name, but for Bridgerton, also very good. Samara Weaving, who recently showed up at Scream and has done a bunch of other things and is a clone for Margot Robbie. Uh, Mary Mauser, who (laughs) is from Cobra Kai, apparently was in the mix for Lois Lane as well. And then the big one, which we have actually heard something about, is Rachel Brosnahan, who reportedly gave a fantastic, perfect audition 
for Lois Lane. She talked about it on your number one source for superhero movie news, The View. <laughs> they're just they're breaking everything. But she was like, yeah. look, it would be an absolute dream to work on Lois Lane. I've always loved the character. Um, she's never a damsel in distress. She's always going out and getting the story. I don't know if that's 100 percent true, but maybe that's one way you can look at Lois Lane. Uh, the one caveat that they mentioned to in the initial story is at 32 years old. She might be too old for the part of Lois Lane. Wow. Uh, what a world we're living in with that statement. My gut from looking at all these folks um, is that James Gunn is looking to hearken back to the original Superman, to Christopher Reeve in look and feel. Uh, that, to me, from all of these names, hits um, Emma Mackey. Like you mm-hmm. said, she looks a little bit like um, Margot Kidder, the original Lois Lane. I think that makes a lot of sense. And maybe David Cornsweat, who looks a little like Christopher Reeve, could be the, the pairing. Potentially. I do think, uh, you know, take a look. If you don't know Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or House of Cards or any of the other things she's done, uh, she's definitely at 32 years old, a disgusting old hag, right, Justin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's been a statement on this podcast mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, no, she's perfect. Like, if, yeah. she is Lois Lane. Like, she can show up on set and absolutely crush it. She has the experience. Not that these other actresses don't, but... She seemed when they mentioned that, I was like, yes, that is Lois Lane. She will do an amazing job. I want to throw one name out there that I haven't heard in any of these casting calls, but I'm pursuant to our podcast interests. Mm-hmm. When I told my wife about this, I was like, hey, you know who they're talking about for Lois Lane, who she thought I was going to say, which I had never thought about before, was Camilla Mendez from Riverdale. Oh, yeah. Which also great. seems kind of perfect. Yeah. I think that would be a great choice. I would definitely be down for that. But but I do think like the way that James Gunn is talking about this, it feels like he's not trying to put a bunch of names above the S mm-hmm. on the poster. You know, he, it, this isn't like necessarily a star or celebrity led movie. It's a, it's a James Gunn Superman led movie. And so I think he's not trying, he doesn't need to cast a, a, the biggest name he can get because it's his swing. He wants it to be all about the creative and all about the ideas. I think he'll cast whoever he wants, even if they are less known people. And there might also be a chemistry thing going on here, not between Lois and Clark necessarily, but between these actors and James Gunn. Like, can they get Mm. on the vibe that he's going for? And he also seems to tailor the roles for the actors at the same time. Well, and he's made such a big deal about like this Superman needs to be a good person and that you don't hear that in Hollywood a lot. (laughs) Where It's like, hey, let's let me talk to this actor and make sure they're generally good. Yeah. So, but if he's doing that, I mean, he's also someone who like understands the value and is very into how much we talk now when we're not at work. Like he's on Twitter constantly. He's always ma- making and breaking news. I'm sure he wants someone who can do that the way that he does to be the lead- leaders of this movie. And that whole nice person thing really runs counter. And you could probably talk more about this to the audition process in Hollywood, which the whole idea is you come into the room and immediately punch the director to let them know you mean business. Yep, it's prison rules. Um, that's <laughs> why you got to walk in and take down the most confident person in the room, who is usually uh, the director or sometimes a PA who you shouldn't punch. Because and this is another Hollywood secret that a lot, a lot of people know about. But if you go to any set in the world, you'll find they're making wine behind all of the toilets. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> right. Sometimes in, depending on the budget. Hmm. All right, why don't we move on to some other stuff? The first tracking is out for the Flash movie. This comes from Box Office Pro, and it's a very wide range, but they're saying that it could come in anywhere between $115 and $140 million. 
Sure. I mean, yeah, that's still, that's a high, the low side of that is high, I feel yes. like. So that's, they're picking this to be quite a hit, I feel like. Yeah, I think that's fair because, but it has nothing to do with Supergirl and it has nothing to do with The Flash and everything to do with Batman. Batman movies do well. The one consistency yeah. with Warner Brothers and DC is Batman movies do well. They are selling it as a Batman movie, very clearly, even more than a Flash movie. So, yes, I do think it's going to come in high, potentially. And if it's like the Flashpoint series, which we just reviewed on uh, in another episode of this podcast, like, it is sort of a Batman story. It's a, at least a Batman and Flash story. Absolutely. And moving on to another item with the Flash movie, this is a weird thing that happened over the past week. It seems like there were a bunch of celebrity showings of the Flash where very specifically Stephen King tweeted about loving it. Tom Cruise was talking to David Zaslav, and Zaslav was like, I love the Flash movie. And Tom Cruise said, can I see it? And then I guess they brought it to his house and showed it to him. And he was like, this movie is great. It came out and it was like, this is why we're making movies and I love it. Um, I, I have a thought about this. I was trying to wrap my mm -hmm. head around like, why are they going to these people specifically to show them the Flash movie? And in my mind, I think it's less about the general public and more about the nerd public. Like it's appealing mm. to more of a film-going audience, like a film-bro audience. It's appealing more to, like, the DC audience. It's trying to get those people like, hey, all of these movie icons love the movie. It isn't just critics who you hate, like, yeah. with a passion. It's these other people you like who like the movie. Come see the Flash movie. Well, I feel like a movie like this is chasing authenticity. And it, I think we are guilty of this as well. We've been like, wow, this trailer looks good, but can the movie be good? And it's sort of mm -hmm. like, I think... Anything they can do to undercut that statement where it's like this movie is good and you get someone who has authenticity online like Stephen King, someone that I think people do like when he says something, people aren't like, yeah, right, because he's <laughs> for whatever reason, he has that place in the culture. Tom Cruise is, you know, obviously maybe biggest, most bankable star in the world right now, but he's also become Mr. Movie Town. So <laughs> he's like, he's like, hey, I think movies should be in theaters. And then it worked crazily with with Maverick. So I see why they wanted him to weigh in and to have him like it, like I think is another huge, like we've talked about it so much. Everything is pointing at this movie being a hit and being good. So eventually we have to just like, I don't know. I, I'm having a terrible reaction to it, and I know this is 100% on me, but every time somebody comes out, I'm more and more dubious about this movie. I'm like, uh, I don't know. This seems too positive. Stephen King in mm. Maine? No, I don't think so. <laughs> he doesn't have other movies up there. It's just mosquitoes. Well, why don't we move from the Flash movie to the Flash TV show, which no, isn't... not not interested. <laughs> 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 so sorry, no. <laughs> uh, oh, we don't have time. Just no, kidding, I, just kidding. I, I think this is worth talking about, uh, particularly because the Flash TV show is ending next week as we're taping this. Uh, it is the final episode of The Flash, and essentially it wraps up the Arrowverse after over a decade of TV shows, hundreds of episodes of TV. The little asterisk there that I was curious to talk about is... Uh, 
the showrunner, there's a big feature, which is well worth reading, over at EW about the finale. They talked to everybody involved. They got a lot of information on it, looking back at the legacy of the show. But the showrunner said that he sat down and he had a conversation with the showrunner of Superman and Lois and said, hey, I'm leaving it open-ended at the end of The Flash. You should really bring some of these characters back if Superman and Lois gets a fourth season. So... This ties into another aspect of the news. I was at the CW upfront earlier this mm. week, and they talked a lot about Superman and Lois and Gotham Knights and also All-American Homecoming, which they haven't picked up, but they also haven't canceled yet. S- pursuant to what we're talking about, Gotham Knights is off in its own universe, and that show is bad. I'm sorry. It's a bad show. I don't want anybody I, to lose jobs, but... I was watching, I forget where I was. Maybe I was on a plane or no, it couldn't have been. But I was watching the show and I was like, why do I recognize some of the ideas here? And then I realized it was Gotham Knights. I was like, what is happening in this show? <laughs> it's 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 the, like a community theater production of television about stuff that we like. They got a Batman comic like, let's make our play this. And then they just filmed it. Uh, it's, it's such a bummer. It is, I, I was really rooting for the show because it's like, this is getting far afield, but uh, I was really rooting for it because it's like, I like the C. Davis show. It's dinky sometimes, but there's a th- the idea of like, hey, we'll take all these teens in Gotham City and have them team up. Perfect CW fodder. I watched the first four episodes, and this is the stupidest possible criticism, but nobody kissed at any point. Like, there's no, <laughs> like, okay. no romantic interest. They don't understand Batman at all. Batman gets killed in the first episode and then, like, leaves clues everywhere, but they're the most obvious clues possible, where he's like, these uh, don't go to your bowels because it's the court of owls. And I'm like, what are we doing? What is, Batman doesn't uh, leave poetry. a journal with poetry in it. It's very dumb. They take down a Talon very easily. And the Talon keeps like trying to stab a car for an entire. Anyway, unimportant. Gotham Knights maybe going to get picked up. I guess we'll see what happens. Probably not. Uh, Superman and Lois, though, is the bigger one that takes place in its own continuity, even though it includes some of the same actors from the Arrowverse. So I I guess the question is, they talked a lot about, like, they love the creative. The CW loves the show. The problem is, which I thought was interesting, which I hadn't heard before, is their problem is HBO Max has all the season streaming rights. Like the CW can stream individual episodes Mm. of the show up to a point, but after that, they don't have any of the catalog on their app. And that seems to be the sticking point more than anything because they can't drive people to the CW app. They can't have people come in. So I don't know. I, I guess I bring all this up as like, Given everything that's going on in the movie side of the DC universe, as well as eventually TV stuff as well, do you want to see the Arrowverse continue at some point, or is it just dead in the water? I think it's going to be hard for them to launch a new show within the Arrowverse because it's just the gravity shifting over to the other side of all the DC stuff. But continuing Superman and Lois feels feasible um, as like sort of the last vestige of it, and maybe they can bring in some of the other Arrowverse characters or themes or ideas or at least – carry that sort of way of making TV on a little bit further. I mean, it makes a little bit of sense to keep just Superman in the conversation while James Gunn is working on his movie. Um, but from the, so that in, maybe that's a conversation they're having where they can be like, you know what, let's shift the streaming rights over to the CW app so they can at least keep this show in good standing. But I was on the CW app watching Riverdale the other day and I was like, this place is weird. It's <laughs> really promoting golf. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the network, uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts about the CW upcoming schedule, but basically it's Canadian imports and golf at this point is the network. Very weird. Different Very weird. than it was before. Very different. Pivot to golf is not something I could have anticipated <laughs> here's for the, the thing. teen and network. We should probably move to our last news item and start to wrap up here. But here's the thing about the CW golf. That is the smartest, most successful thing they've done in terms of getting viewers, because not only did it have exponentially more viewers than anything else on the network over the past couple of months. But also, this is another thing they talked about in the upfront that I was very surprised to hear. Like, they have reality stuff like Whose Line Is It Anyway and World's Most Famous Dogs or whatever on to Saturday night. But they talked about after they're broadcasting golf, the audience for the primetime stuff jumped up 20% over what it was <laughs> oh previously. God. So... That's that's the future of the network. Bye-bye, teen shows. Hello, golf and Canada. Let's wrap it up here with a very brief one, but we've been talking a lot about the writer's strike. Another brief delay, not a permanent delay, um, but we've heard them shutting down a lot of Marvel shows, specifically Daredevil in New York. This is the first DC show I've heard about. Apparently, The Penguin was shut down by the writer's strike. There was a very fun tweet about this, about like Batman couldn't take down The Penguin, but we sure did, uh, which I was yeah. like, oh, cute. They were shooting. I guess the show's shooting a little bit north of of New York, and um, they the WGA sent a, a picket team up there and shut it right down. There you go. And we're definitely, to be clear, we are supporting the writers here on the podcast. They absolutely yes. should shut it down. We love the shows, but the, the writers got to get the rights, and particularly like with this, with a Max show. Max, formerly HBO Max, has been one of the worst offenders in terms of how they've been treating writers, how they've been paying writers. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. I hope it works. Yeah. Uh, with SAG going on strike uh, pr- probably pretty soon, I do think um, that this, the heat is getting turned up on the studios right now. Absolutely. Why don't we wrap up there? If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about the DC Universe, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show. Uh, at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Dad, if you need any suggestions for Lois Lane, just give us a call. We got some you Give us a ideas. call, 100%. And I'm getting lunch with um, with Tom Cruise and Stephen King right now, so I have to go talk to them about what the Flash is and how he goes fast. <laughs> yeah. 